This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. I am Eric Branson, and with me as always is my friend and co-host Joe Peterson. As we were talking about at the end of the show last week, we were having a discussion about the films of Japanese master of horror Takashi Miike, and our conversation went on just a little bit too long for one of our standard length episodes. So you, the lucky listener, gets not one, but two episodes on the work of Takashi Miike. Last week, we discussed the 1999 now classic film Audition, and this week we are going to discuss an equally as popular, but certainly very different one of his films entitled Ichi the Killer. Uh, we're going to drop right back in the conversation where we left off last week, so I uh, thank you very much for listening and hope you enjoy. Video Junkyard Podcast. So how, what about our, our other film that we watched for our little Mike celebration? Well, so Ichi the Killer is much more in the vein of what we keep saying Mike is known for. So these, you know, a low-budget, straight-to-video um, Yakuza movie that is very anime in its style. So everything is stylized, um, stylized sex and violence, and everything's very over-the-top. Um Ichi the Killer probably pushes things even further than some of his <laughs> other um, Yakuza uh, sh- uh, movies. And I was trying to remember what the name of the the, the province or neighborhood uh, that all of the, them take place in. The Shinjuku, I think, is the... Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, the um, this one kind of pushes the envelope, and I think that's what it's known for. I think that's... At the end of the day, it... it no matter what else you say about this movie, this movie is famous and well-known because it just really pushes the envelope on what's, you know, acceptable in, I don't know, in a film or, you know, try. I don't think he's deliberately trying to offend people here. I think he's just, you know, pushing the envelope with the um, sex and violence. And like I said, it's all very stylized and it's all very cartoonish. So it's, it's hard to, you know, take any of it seriously or get seriously offended or grossed out by it um but there's some seriously disturbing stuff going on in this movie so (laughs) yeah so the basic plot of itchy the killer is uh a psychologically damaged man who is manipulated into assaulting or killing rival faction members of a feuding yakuza gangs while being pursued by a sadomasochist enforcer (laughs) uh and that isn't it just doesn't I mean, that, even scratch the surface of everything that's going on in this film. No, I mean, that um, is kind of the basic plot, but yeah, there's some... And like a lot it, of his, um, you know, crime drama type movies... Crime drama, that that's not really an apt description. Crime, uh, I'll just say call them Yakuza films, that's what they are. But the um, pace is very frantic. 
There's a lot of characters, a lot of stuff going on. There's like three or four subplots that are all tied together nicely in the latter part of the film. But um, at first, and you know, just you strap in and go along for the ride because at first you might have a little bit of difficulty um, putting all of those threads together. But um, it all it all comes together and pays off quite nicely. But um, yeah, it almost yeah, feels is... like a mini series that was that was, or like a, actually just like a, a weekly series TV mm-hmm. show that was crammed into a, a single film, I mean, and it is quite long. In a lot of ways, I think it was. It was um, supposedly well, very, it's a manga. very yeah. literally based on the manga. Yeah, the manga that it was based on. Night and day, different type of movie from Audition. So it's interesting that you know we're the same. We're talking about the same filmmaker. And it's not like you can't tell at all that it's the same filmmaker. I think some of the, um, some of his knack for composition and some of his um, some of his style comes through here and there. But I can tell right away when turning on Ichi the Killer within the first ten, let's say twenty minutes of the film that this thing was made for almost no money with in almost no amount of time, and um, where a movie like Audition. We see, you know, very, very well planned. They probably, you know, they took the time. It had a budget. It was a very, very different types of movies. And I think the end product is very, very different as well. Yeah, I, I would agree. This one, I I have to admit, I don't think I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it, but I don't think I enjoyed it quite as much this more recent watch than I did before. Yeah. Um, but I still did enjoy watching it i actually did watch this one over a series of a couple of nights Mm. and it would be kind of funny when middle of the you know not middle of the night but late at night i'd be watching part of this and my wife would come down the stairs and just happen to pass through the living room and be like what the hell is this (laughs) she hasn't seen it in a long time either it took her a second to remember but it was during some really disturbing scenes too and i um, mean this this movie kind of runs the gamut of what's what's disturbing in a movie like it's yeah. I mean, how how many rape scenes can you put in a movie? Takashi <laughs> like, Miike uh, is gonna find out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, um, in, in, in mutilation and yeah. and it's weird too because the effects are kind of all over the place in this one. I one of the first things I wrote down is like, wow, I don't remember. I didn't remember how cheap looking this movie was. Like, and and that's a reference to that. I I could tell it was a low budget movie right off the bat. Uh, I wasn't shocked by that, obviously, because I know that that's the majority of his 103 movies were, you know, low-budget features, uh, which I believe are actually, there's a name for them in Japanese, and it's like, it, essentially, it's this, it's it's straight-to-video. <laughs> it's, that's what, it's the Japanese equivalent of our straight-to-videos. They were DVD-only, um, cheapy action crime movies. And Ichi the Killer is an interesting one because... This is after Audition, right? So he's made yeah. a name for himself internationally as this, like, artsy-fartsy filmmaker, right? That's won all these, like, prestigious film festivals. And then he, you know, uh, goes back and, I'm, okay, two years have passed, so he probably made 57 movies in that time. But um, he goes back and makes something like Ichi the Killer, which to me is very interesting. And like I said, he just he's just a guy that doesn't say no to a job, right? So this was something he found interesting. Obviously, he... He did it, and for whatever money was there, and um, yeah, this movie's insane. Like every second of this movie is just 
I mean, it's entertaining. It's it's extremely violent. It's extremely over the top. It's seems like it intentionally tries to push the envelope with like trying to see if you can or like see i don't know like morally gut check its audience at times like you know is this offending you is this offending you well if that's not offending you let's do this instead and um i think the key is just don't get offended by movies if that's not your thing don't watch it you know it's like, I, but... I think the the degree in which graphic violence and assault is used in this film um you know even even the the the, the subplot where you've got this kind of caretaker guy, Gigi, who is manipulating Itchy. Yeah. That in and of itself is a is a offensive kind of, especially what he's manipulating him with. You know, a story that this girl that you knew in high school that you stood up for, that you know stood up for you and you would get picked on. Yeah. She got raped and you watched it and you did nothing. And you could have helped her, and you didn't. Um, that is such a... And that's all fake, right? Like, he's <laughs> doing that to manipulate the guy. None of that ever happened. It's like, that's fucked up in and of itself. And yep. so it there's everything about this. It is almost like Mike is saying, well, how about this, how about this, how about this? Um, to see really, you know, how far somebody can, can take it. And, I, you know, there's the rumors that as a public a publicity stunt that at the toronto film festival they handed out vomit bags to people mm-hmm. and one person puked and somebody passed out i mean that's i, I don't know I, that's not really supported I, as far as i know yeah and i don't see any of the the extreme moments in this movie that would you know drive somebody i mean maybe that's true um i think audition and its tenseness and and that that would much more be likely that somebody would be physically affected by that this is this is just craziness is what this is uh there are certainly some some moments of graphic violence in this movie don't get me wrong but um yeah i don't think i don't i don't know if i buy that i think it's just a publicity it was the you know it's the good old william castle (laughs) right right yeah this is gonna get you kind of a thing right um but yeah this this was my my first real foray into the yakuza films too and it's just like how sprawling and how how again how fast paced you really have to keep up and it's gonna make some really weird twists and turns very very quickly yeah. um not to not to spoil it for anybody but Gigi's big reveal at the end is so what yeah <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff is just so well, strange and cgi it's so bad yeah it's, like it's laughable um there are moments in this movie that are hurt by and again it's a budget thing like i think this movie it, it's so obviously it was shot on the cheap because uh even down to its production is just not like lots of um long takes um with like moving the camera around rather than cutting so that means you know obviously they're trying to shoot this thing in no time and i don't know it's i don't remember this the first time i saw it and maybe i just didn't um pick up on it but i don't remember this like being so obviously like a tiny no budget film like it looks like um yeah the there's some interest and, and like we keep talking about it like it's bad there's definitely some interesting stuff in this movie um 
the effects are not one of them and some of the you know longer dialogue based scenes are pretty cringeworthy again because i think they were using long takes because they didn't have the time to shoot the way that you know he would have shot something had he had a bigger budget or whatever but um i think there's some interesting stuff going on here i think um supposedly it was a really big deal when this was released that the key what would you call him i guess he's the antagonist but kikihara in the mm-hmm. movie, his um, he's he, he's essentially if you know one he hasn't seen and he's a very like kind of um, I don't know if he's actually like a hitman, but he's definitely good at killing people and that's kind of his you know yeah he's like right, an enforcer he's, he's like a second in command kind of thing he's also a like big time sadist right so he um, apparently the boss whoever he was or the game of guy dies at the beginning and kind of sets off this whole. Um, well, Ichi kills him in the beginning and kind of sets up this whole chain of events. and um, But he was kind of like the boss whipping boy, right? And, and that was kind of, he was obviously getting a big thrill, which we we, we assume or never see 100% that it was a sexual thrill. Um, but the fact that he's a little bit characterized, like, I mean, do you think there's any chance that even though it's a Japanese movie that they, there wasn't a little bit of influence of the character of the Joker on this guy? Um, oh, or am I, I just totally. getting our DC reference in? <laughs> I, I think I think totally. Um, I, I think yeah. There's this is definitely like a Yakuza Joker kind. Of, even with the 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 facial mutilations and yeah. stuff like that. Um, the, even also, like the coat the coat and the 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 the, the costume in a way too. Yeah. I also find it kind of refreshing that he's, like, totally comfortable, like, either, I guess I'd call him a a bisexual sadist of some sort, but there's, like, no question about him being a badass, even though he's, you know, somebody of, you know, who's obviously either bisexual or homosexual character, and, um, so that's interesting that that's just there, but Mike in many of his films, doesn't shy away from using homosexual characters and doesn't ever really dwell on or make any comment about it it's just like oh yeah that's their their you know their characters their (laughs) whatever yeah he never makes a big deal out of it either way so but i did think that was interesting that your main villain certainly has that uh um and, and, and you know at this time i think now you would you'd certainly see more things like that or you certainly do see more uh, representation in movies this is an early example of it where it's it's not like hey look at we you know we put our token character in here it's just kind of an interesting you know little side comment although if you didn't really pay attention you wouldn't even pick up on it but um yeah and i think that's two movies now of his you know the two movies that we talked about of his are ones that are in many ways socially quite ahead of their time i mean of, mm-hmm. of all the things that that's not disturbing about this movie, you know. For 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 all of the disturbing things, he's not making any statements about, you know, sexuality in that way. He doesn't. It's it's just not a big deal. Yeah. He's you know in audition, he's making a statement about relationship and gender roles. In this one, it's it's just a it's fun you know over the top cartoonish gore. Mm-hmm. But in in crafting his world that he did here, he put people 
in there. <laughs> right. You know, just people. He's not trying to, to pander to any particular audience. It's like, well, these are these characters and these are who, this is who they are. Well, and I and... think it's, it's interesting that Ichi as a main, one of the main characters is such a fucked up individual as well. Like, there's nothing heroic about him. There is nothing, even though he's playing the role in the narrative, like, of the quote-unquote hero that's, you know, wiping out the bad guys or, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, even though he's even though he's a victim himself, you still don't feel bad for him ever. He's just such an awful, awful person. And I think that's maybe, like, and I know we say that a lot about a lot of movies. Oh, it's interesting because there aren't any, you know, any quote-unquote good guy characters in it. And that's certainly true of this movie. Everyone in this movie is just, you know, kind of the worst of the worst. I don't think there's anybody who's even like a little bit redeemable. But, um, yeah, so that makes it really interesting that this guy that's kind of set up in the, the quote-unquote hero or um, good guy role is somebody that just... You, you just can't stand he's he's crying and whining and um not to mention that he you know is for for a good portion of the film you think that he has some kind of a sexual um thrill from you know the the concept of rape and all this stuff and <laughs> um he's just so unlikable that um the only person that you kind of like in this movie is kikihara <laughs> and, mm-hmm. yeah and it's really just because he's you know this crazy unpredictable and he's, he's a cool character right he's like kind of almost like a quentin tarantino character right he's larger than life and um wears eccentric clothes has eccentric hair he's got the you know the facial deformity um not deformity but the the slashed mouth that gave him the joker smile and um yeah so he he becomes the main character of this film by for all practical purposes yeah, he really I don't know does. if that was the case in the, the source material or not, but I, I'm sure it probably was. But I think it's interesting that in most of the copies of the DVDs of this that I've seen, Kikahara is on the cover and not Itchy. <laughs> right, yep. Because it really is the more... And it's messed up to say that, that he is the more likable character. <laughs> um, yeah, there's really nobody else that you like. Everybody else is kind of... He's the only one with a very clear... Uh, I guess the closest thing to an admirable mission (laughs) is he's trying to find his boss. He's trying to find this person he's devoted himself to. Well, when he finds out the the boss is dead, it becomes, you know, avenging. Avenge. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, Gigi, who's a shit starter. Ichi, who's just, like, a a mass of a human being. Yep. You know, the, the, the Karen character is a shit starter. The other characters are just nuts and doing whatever um yeah but but yeah kikahara actually has like a motivation yeah i think this movie like you know you said earlier that it felt like it's a little long i felt like it it runs quite a bit too long i also feel like spends a lot of time with characters and situations that end up being totally inconsequential to the plot of the movie so um yeah and that is not always a bad thing. Like what I just brought up Quentin Tarantino a few minutes ago, who is somebody who constantly does things like that. But his le- at least his scenes are kind of cool and fun and quirky, and it's like a fun conversation or it's something that you're going to remember some lines from. None of that, at least in the way it translates into English, is true of this movie. It's just like character development of people that like then just randomly get killed 
in the next scene <laughs> like um so i don't know like it i feel like if you know i were to jump back in and i could i could edit this thing down to 90 minutes and it runs almost two and a half hours now is that yeah it's over two hours yeah yeah it's 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 roughly long like it it really feels its length by the time you get to the end and the end is great like the last half an hour of the film picks back up again but there's that when you're climbing past 90 minutes towards the two hour mark and it's like oh man this thing's still going and nothing's really (laughs) nothing's really happening or it's not you know anyway i i feel like it could have been a lot um yeah shorter overall what would you i was gonna say overall what would you give this for a grade you know it's I didn't like it as much. I, I had a very similar reaction to what you did. I, I didn't like it as much as I did the first time. This is probably only the second time I've seen Itchy the Killer, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I didn't care for it as much as I did the first time. But I also thought there's enough good stuff here that uh, it's certainly enjoyable at points. I think maybe you watched it in the ideal situation. I watched it in two settings. But if I you know if you could split this up into like half-hour episodes, maybe it's a little more palatable. But, yeah, I can't help but be a little disappointed by it. The, the effects are just so bad and didn't age well, and I just hate... I, I, I don't know why I really, really hate bad CGI. I will take bad practical effects. In fact, I, I like, love some really terrible practical effects in movies, and I, you know, I just get a kick out of them. Um, but bad CGI just never, never works for me, and it just keeps getting worse as it ages, so... Anyway, it, it got hurt by that as well. But I think there's enough worthwhile here, and it's a well enough made film that I'm gonna think I'm gonna give it a B minus. But it's only just skating by, not being a C. So <laughs> I, I I see what you mean about the effects in it, and um, I, I share that sentiment. I think that we have, you know, when we talked about this when we discussed Event Horizon a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm that you know there was this time when everybody and especially in the 90s and then for a while going into the early 2000s everybody was using cgi because it was cheap it was cheaper than doing practical effects in many ways um however you can always tell when something is computer animated i don't care how good it is and you know and there's some excellent cgi's come a very long way but you can always tell it always looks a bit cartoonish. You can always tell that it's not really there. And in, so even bad practical effects, you know that they're there at least. Mm-hmm. All right. That's still something somebody built. It may have built it pretty shitty, but they built it nonetheless. <laughs> um, with computer animation, when, when it looks bad, it looks really bad. And it, yeah. t- it can take you out of it a bit. In this one, the movie's so off the wall anyway. Yeah, The bad true. visual effects... There and, and they are not very good and they have aged but I mean, it almost just kind of adds to it for me yeah like adds to the charm a little bit like some of it's just so silly i'm like well, i mean of some course, of it's of... almost funny at this point <laughs> exactly it's like of course that looks like shit look at the scene that it's being used in you know like yeah. there's a face sliding down a wall <laughs> you know i don't think you could make that look good with practical effects yeah um, some of the couple of times that somebody is split in half from crotch to chin kind of split in half yeah Uh, also the cgi is pretty weak but i don't know there's moments where it works there's moments when it doesn't 
the muscle scene is probably the worst. It's what, still one of my favorites, though, because that, that is such a bizarre it's... thing to see anyway. I'll just right. like, I'll take it. That's <laughs> well, fine. And I'm laughing, because obviously I got a kick out of it in that way. Yeah. So maybe I'm but, not giving uh, it enough I, credit. But but I so, do. I, I, mean, I do generally still kind of like this movie. It's not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would actually give it like a B to a B plus. I'm not going to let the effects hit it that much for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I I think the story is kind of very strange and <laughs> how it's told, place, but, but... <laughs> it's all over the place. But it 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 matches this. It's um, and I know how cliche and trendy this is going to sound, and I'm going to say it anyway. That this isn't really like this is truly what they call like a movie viewing experience. Yeah. Um, I, I think this is one of those films where it's not like you're you're not again I know how trendy this sounds but you're not just watching Ichi the Killer you really are experiencing it there's because it has such a weird influence on how you especially in Western culture how we how we listen to stories how stories are told to us how we receive them and then how we kind of see that stuff it's yeah. really strange. Again, it's well, not I mean, for everybody, just like Audition. It's and I got think some you, really graphic stuff. You could say that for both the movies we talked about. Yeah. I think these are both experiential sure. films. And they're they both very different experiences, I think. But, um, yeah, both things that are... Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, certainly. Experiential. <laughs> um, and one thing I will say about having done these two Mike films is it's inspired me to get back out and try to track down more Mike films i think i'm gonna give visitor q a watch i guess i'll report back in a future episode um how i'm doing after that yeah see let me know if i should watch it and i'll and i you know if i ever come across a copy of it and i will certainly watch it i i'll, I'll sit down and watch any Mike movie if it comes across you know um however i think my days of like actively going out and pursuing them unless somebody says i have to see them is is are probably over but right I certainly, yeah, I, think... I certainly enjoy what I usually what I see of his. So, um, yeah, his uh, Masters of Horror episode is a pretty uh, intense experience as well. That's uh, actually still one of my favorite episodes. Um, yeah, imprint of that, I, and I think that that was I think the third Mike, third or fourth Mike film that I watched. Mm-hmm. And that one, even though it's a one-hour short, um, it, it, it's that's when you can start to see his style, especially the use of color in that movie mm-hmm. was really impressive. Um, that's that's definitely done for a Western audience, but there's enough of that Eastern influence to it, um, and his particular style to it, where it really does look very specific like you can tell in a weird way that it's a Mike film it's hard to uh i guess it's kind of hard to explain how though but it, it <laughs> does feel like a Mike film oh yeah yeah and i it's been a long time since i've seen it but i certainly remember it having that um well, general yeah, and feeling that, <laughs> and and that one is so controversial so that just to, to mention something about that a little bit so um in I guess it was 2005, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that sounds about right. 
Yeah, around 2005, Mike was invited to direct a, an episode of Masters of Horror, which was, if hopefully people remember that show, it was a one hour it was a one hour anthology series that was on Showtime, and the idea was that each episode was directed by a different famous horror film director, so John Carpenter, Dario Argento, Toby Hooper, um, Mick Garris, and so on. Right, and I think it was kind of Mick Garris's baby anyway. Yes, um, it was, and they brought in Stuart Gordon, and it was it was really a fun show, and they did two seasons of it, I believe. And in the first season, Mike was invited to do one, and he did this one-hour film called Imprint, and it was so brutal that <laughs> they wouldn't let it, it. It still to this day has not aired in the United States. Yeah. It did air on Bravo in the UK and on FX in, uh, from what I've read, Mexico, South and Central America, and the Dominican Republic, France, Turkey, Israel, um, in Finland, and Italy. But it, And it's been released, Anchor Bay released it on, on DVD, so I have a copy of it. But yeah, it, it they never aired it. Yeah, not on a Showtime. showtime they were like, this one's to too it. much. Yeah, yeah they, they wouldn't, they couldn't do it. So it was, um, yeah, Mick Garris who created the show. You might remember he's the director of uh, the, the TV miniseries of Stephen King's The Shining. Uh, not The Shining, I'm sorry. The Stand. Yeah, that that um, one as well. Yeah. He oh, did, yeah, he did both, yeah, didn't the he? Miniseries yeah. of the, the miniseries of The Shining that was on TV. Yeah, that was his. yeah. and uh, yeah, he was quoted as saying the episode uh, is amazing, but hard even for me to watch. Definitely the most disturbing film I have ever seen. <laughs> and it it's a... It's a tough one to to sit through. As yeah, well. I remember um, it being being tough, but also being very good. Like I, I again, yeah, like, similar to both of the movies we were talking about uh, today. So I'm yeah. So yeah, I I'd encourage people to check out other Mike films. Uh, a few other recommendations though that I could throw out at people. Most recently, his 2017 film uh, Blade of the Immortal, which is a, a, a kind of a supernatural samurai film is really really cool um and i also 13 assassins from 2010 is it, it's a it's a big film it's like 13 assassins is kind of this big epic style uh you know endo period the film set in 1844 it, it's it's a really great film and then he follows it up that same year with Zebra Man 2 yeah. <laughs> and then Ninja Kids. And it's yeah. just like, he's so all over the place, it's great. But uh, um, yeah, those those would be two I would also encourage people if you want to see oh, his kind of sprawling style. A random Mike movie if you want to see something that's just crazy is um, if, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's called uh, Sukiyaki Western Django. Yep. Yeah, somewhere in between Samurai Film and Western, and Spaghetti Western, I think. With a lot of Mike craziness thrown into it, um, it's interesting. So, <laughs> Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino is in it too. Yes, he is. Yes, um, it's and very really... much, very much a little in the vein of you know something he would do, but not in, not necessarily in his style. So, yeah, you can tell there's some inspiration there from the Sergio Leone mm-hmm. Dollar Trilogy films, which of course them themselves are all you know inspired themselves by kurosawa's you know yojimbo but there's there's a little bit of all that in there it yeah that's a weird film too uh we mentioned i'm not not saying it's it's a great movie but it's 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 entertaining and check it out Mm -hmm. he also did uh the film dead or alive 
which yep. Um, yep. is is really quite popular. He did the Dead or Alive films. Um, there's also Sukiyaki. No, you mentioned Sukiyaki Western Django. I was gonna say uh, Full Metal Yakuza. Yeah, I've seen that. Is a, that's a that's another really strange one. And it will keep <laughs> in mind too. Yeah, hundred and three films you said yeah 103 and counting he'll probably films. by the time we finish this show he'll have made one more film so probably and he started <laughs> directing in 1991 yeah he usually yeah, this isn't two... this isn't a you know lifelong i mean I, 1991 wasn't yesterday anymore but still i mean this is a relatively small amount of time for this sort of body of work he's he's a busy man yeah i mean every year on average he puts out three to four films yep sometimes more you know i i think in in 1999 when he came out with audition he did seven films that year directing just directing yeah so yeah he's a very very busy man <laughs> and he keeps making some really crazy cool movies and you know i don't know you can to say you're a Mike fan is would be i guess akin to saying you're a david lynch fan you know you you you're willing and open for experiences so uh you know, and actually, I do want to do a brief shout out uh, to one of our listeners. I know Brian Atkins uh, is actually the one who gave me my first copy of Issue the Killer when we were in graduate <laughs> school together. So thank you, Brian, for your support of the podcast and also for introducing me to this really insane movie that, yeah, I give it a good solid B to a B plus. It's, it, I still like it. It's it's just so goddamn crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it too. It's, it's, it's hard not to like that it's just... This is another one of those we always talk about movies that are best enjoyed with friends and alcohol. This is yep. certainly one of those. Um, but yeah, it's 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 good. I, I I I couldn't give it a C because I like it too much to to knock it down that low. So <laughs> right. So what else do we have coming up on the show here in the upcoming weeks? Well, wow. I mean, we're getting down to the nitty gritty here. We need to do some scheduling. But anyway, yeah, we have. Next week, we're going to be looking at some Luc Besson movies, specifically sci-fi films Luc Besson directed. I'm sure you can guess what at least one of those is. We're going to go into some uncharted territory for me, some first-time watch, or at least one of these is a first-time watch for me, but the movie The Fall, and followed the following week by the 80s classic FX, which, um... Yes, yes, uh, I, FX is one I'm very familiar with the fall i believe was recommended by uh one of our listeners yeah so yeah i think it was and uh, i do want to get you know another one of those uh get some more listener picks up or going uh in the next coming weeks i'll throw something up on facebook and twitter and all those good things and um as we start to expand our schedule a little bit definitely get some some more listener recommendations on there sounds good so feel free to shoot us an email uh, or send us a comment on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, do you have a favorite Mike film? What do you think of uh, Audition or Itchy the Killer? I know there is actually a prequel to Itchy the Killer. I have not seen it, but I'm uh, very intrigued by what people who may have seen it think about it. So feel free to um, contact us. You can send us an email at videojunkerpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, find us on Facebook under Video Junker Podcast download our episodes at soundcloud or send us a tweet at video junk pod which is our twitter handle yeah we'd love to hear from you and uh, like we always say if you take the time to write it we'll take the time to read it uh still waiting for that first 
listener review that we get to read on 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 the air i'm looking forward to that so why don't you be the one to write it <laughs> yeah please somebody please somebody do i have to beg <laughs> it's so lonely here so but i want to thank everybody for tuning in and uh for listening as always this is joe peterson and i'm eric Branson. have a good night You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go? Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs>